1: We are gathered here today to lay to rest the dream for some of you that was Odell Beckham to the Green Bay Packers. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Odell Beckham is not a Green Bay Packer, and Maggie didn't find that nearly as funny as I did, apparently. I
2: don't know how long you were sitting on that.
1: Uh, I just put that together before we started, but I have had the idea. So you guys can't see us because this isn't a video show, but I tried to put a picture of Odell in that video making of Taps, but it did not work. So yes, Odell Beckham is a Los Angeles Ram, not a Green Bay Packer. The Packers win 17 to nothing against Seattle. The Rams get blown out 31 to 10 by the 49ers. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so, or at least it fits my narrative, so I am more than happy to make it not a coincidence. But welcome to the show. This is the Wednesday recording, Thursday show of the pack podcast. I am Jacob Westendorf. Jimmy Christensen is taking the night off, I assume drowning his sorrows still, from the Odell Beckham signing. Uh, Joined now by Maggie Loney, who was indifferent. That's probably why she didn't think it was funny. But Maggie, welcome to the show. Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, we got to hear Aaron Rodgers talk a little bit about it. Uh, Pat McAfee talked about how he tried to recruit Odell Beckham. I know there were some uh, kind of rumblings throughout the league. I think Jay Glazer had said that even when OBJ got traded to the Browns, he wanted to end up in L.A. with the Rams. So who knows, you know, with a lot of that. But, I mean, the Packers did make a push, obviously, and – I don't know. would Odell Beckham Jr. have made a difference uh, winning 17 to 0. Maybe they would have won 20 to 0 if somebody makes a field goal? I don't, I don't know. That don't very
1: know. well could be And making a field goal, that is a discussion we will get to here in just a second. But the Packers are now eight and two. They sit at number one in the NFC and Maggie, I talked about this last night uh, with Janelle Mackey. I wanted to get your thoughts. We're halfway through the season now officially. And well, (laughs) whatever way, I don't know. It doesn't divide evenly. I guess we were halfway through the season officially at halftime of the Seattle game. And I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on the hierarchy that is the NFC right now. So green Bay sits at the top of the conference. Arizona would be your two seed Tampa Bay and Dallas. And then the uh, Los Angeles Rams, those are your five teams. And I think that, I would be very surprised if the Super Bowl representative out of the NFC did not come from that list of five teams barring relative health, obviously. So I just wanted a little power rankings discussion, if you will, as to how you would rank those five teams as of right now.
2: Yeah, I mean the the Cardinals did the Packers a favor. The Rams did them a favor by losing two NFC teams. Obviously the Packers benefited from dropping um, to an AFC team and the Chiefs after their loss initially to the Saints. But I don't know. The Packers are such an enigma to me right now because the defense is playing better than we've seen, and they continue to get better, even missing so many pieces. Um, and I think we're just kind of waiting for the offense to put it together and for special teams to put it together. So if the offense can play like we've seen from them in spurts, you know, I thought they put some things together against the Cardinals. They had a nice outing against the Lions, against San Fran. Um, then yeah, I think they're right up there with anybody. You could even, you know, argue that they are potentially the team to beat just given how well the defense is playing. Any team that we think looks like a world beater turns out to then not look like one the following week. And I think the Rams are the most recent example of that. So, you know, it's a week-to-week league. I know, you know, trap game gets thrown around a lot, but I feel confident that the Packers could beat just about any team in the NFC and, you know, probably the AFC as well at this point. I don't know about you, though. I
1: agree that they can beat anybody. I agree that it's a week-to-week league, and I do agree that it's a weird league because it seems like every time some team is getting bouquets thrown in their direction, they then have a stinker right after that, and the Rams were the latest uh, version of that. The way I ranked the teams on my Pick 6 podcast that so you guys can listen to on Wednesday mornings is I had the Packers won. I just don't see how you could put anybody else there right now. They have the best record, and they've beaten the other team that's 8-2, and two. And I do think the offense eventually is going to find different nights, maybe not the level that we saw them play last season, but something different once they get David Bakhtiari back and some of the timing and some examples and just get better throughout the course of the season. I think you'll see that at some point. Uh, I have the Bucks at number two. I have the Cowboys at three. I have the Rams at four and the Cardinals at five. And that sounds disrespectful to the Cardinals. I know that, but if I had to bet on a team to get to the Super Bowl, a team that's never played in a playoff game together with a quarterback and a head coach that has never played in a playoff game is just not one that I'm going to be betting on in that scenario. The Rams, they've gotten blown up the last two weeks by physical teams, one at home with the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry, and then obviously Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers, that one on the road. I don't trust Matthew Stafford, And you guys know my feelings on on Ottawa Beckham, but that obviously isn't going to change the entire outlook of the team. They still have a ton of talent, but I like the way that Kyle Brandt put it on Good Morning Football, and that is they are all glitter, all Twitter, and no hitters. And I do wonder if that's something that will beat them because at some point they're going to run into a team that is physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Tampa Bay is a very good example of that. Uh, The Cowboys offense, I think they have Gallup, they have Cooper, they have CeeDee Lamb. They have Dak Prescott, and I like Mike McCarthy, so I think they have a good situation there and a defense that can make plays. Uh, the Bucks. What do you have
2: then? Oh, sorry, I was going to ask who you have then for your wild cards going into this uh, potential playoff picture. Now that we're kind of halfway through the season.
1: Yeah, the Saints and the Panthers are the two teams that come to mind right away. The Panthers, I think, are going to get a little bit of a boost from Cam Newton coming in. They just blew out the Cardinals on Sunday. They have a really talented defense. On the Saints, it's almost just like all the respect I have for – I know I make a lot of jokes at Sean Payton's expense, but I have a lot of respect for Sean Payton and that roster as a whole where I think they can like scrape their way to what used to be 9-7, and seven. so now 10-7 and seven, or maybe an 11-6 and six type of record to try and get into that play. But I don't think either one of those teams is capable or any of the teams that could be a wild card – you know, the Giants, the Bears, the Vikings. There's so many teams that are in the mix. I just can't see a team like that making some noise – in the NFC playoff picture. And when you add in the fact that they're going to be playing Tampa Bay, who I was just getting to, I have them as number two. I know they just lost to Washington, but they have Chris Godwin. They have Mike Evans. They have Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and uh, this dude named Tom Brady. You might've heard of him once or twice as their trigger man. So there's that. And then I think you have the Packers who stand alone at the top of the NFC right now. So that's my hierarchy as we speak. But as we know, Maggie, that doesn't matter. That much right now, because it's November. It's not January, and who the best team is doesn't always win. The Packers were the best team in the NFC last year. They didn't win the NFC title. They didn't win the Super Bowl. In fact, I don't think the best team won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I thought Kansas City was a better team than Tampa Bay. They just didn't have all their horses and and sometimes you need some of that to work out in your favor to do something like that. But let's talk about this defense as a whole. One bit of info, that I thought was fascinating. And we've talked a lot about Devondre Campbell on this show and probably any other platform you can imagine has talked a lot about Devondre Campbell. And I wondered maybe could it possibly be that we're just making him better by association because the linebackers in the past, I mean, you're going back to names like Nate Palmer and Jamari Lattimore and no disrespect, but AJ Hawk and just some of those guys that have played on the inside over the last couple of years. And Last night, Marquez Valdez-Scantling told Todd Varney and myself that he thinks he's somebody, Campbell that is, that could be in Green Bay for the foreseeable future and wear a C on his chest, which was eye-opening to me because that's a defense that has Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, guys that are growing into leadership roles. And I know not all of them are going to be in Green Bay next season, or it's not likely that they'll be in Green Bay next season. But I thought that was eye-opening because this is a guy who they brought in off the street after the draft. Nate, I keep saying they didn't even want him because Gutekunst basically said they couldn't address linebacker as early as they wanted to, so they had to go to veteran free agency. And everybody was talking about K.J. Wright, and they didn't sign K.J. Wright. They signed Devondre Campbell, and now it's a guy who – Marcos Valdez-Scantling said all pro type of year, and the numbers back that up. Campbell's been awesome. Just tell me a little bit about what you think about his impact – On this defense so far in this season?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting that there's kind of been like this next man up mentality on the entire team, but primarily with the defense losing so many key pieces. And one of the guys that's come in and been entirely reliable from the jump has been Campbell. You know, we all kind of debated when he got signed what his role would be. And yes, he had played 75% or more of snaps in all of his seasons um, with the Cardinals and then with the Falcons. But you know, I think people thought that it was going to be maybe Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, and then Kamal Martin was a surprise release before even the final cutdown day. So, you know, at training camp, you could see Devondre Campbell and the impact that he was making, the presence he has in the middle of the defense. He's huge. He's quick. I don't think the Packers have had that kind of speed in the middle of the defense. Uh, but I think it's honestly partially Joe Barry and the the production that he's getting from the inside linebacker position, which is what we know was kind of his bread and butter coming into the league. Um, he's got Chris Barnes playing really well, had maybe his best game against the Chiefs. Oren Burks has looked really comfortable and confident, which is not something that we've seen. But yeah, I mean, I think absolutely, especially now that we're getting into kind of the Pro Bowl voting and think of the Pro Bowl however you want, you know, whether it's a popularity contest. But Devondre Campbell is absolutely a name that we could hear coming up in the Pro Bowl and all pro conversations, just like we did from some of the other heavy hitters on Green Bay's defense the last couple of years. That
1: he could be, and he's made, honestly, I mean, if you're talking about halfway through the season, and and we get to talk about the defense every week, and we will get to Packers and Vikings, obviously, as far as that matchup goes, but I just want to hear, Zadarius Smith hasn't played, Jair Alexander has barely played, so I just wanted to, in the spirit of power rankings, I guess, who do you think has been the best players on this Packers defense so far in 2021? Let's stop at three because there's a lot of guys that are having really good years, but your top three players on the defense so far this season.
2: That's really tough. Um, especially because, you know, if you're giving me a top three, there should be like six honorable mentions, but uh, Rashawn Gary, I think has to be up there leads the team in sacks. sounds like he's going to be able to play through his elbow injury that looked pretty serious when it happened uh, with a brace on. So that's good news for the defense. Eric Stokes, I think, would be on there for me just because, you know, as a rookie being thrust into the the spotlight, losing guys like Kevin King and obviously Jair, having to take over a starting role against guys like Terry McLaurin and Jamar Chase and DeAndre Hopkins, um, that has been really impressive. And then Devondre Campbell, I think, would be the third. But it is breaking my heart a little bit to have to leave Adrian Amos off that list and Kenny Clark.
1: Yeah. Smash has been awesome. Uh, Kenny Clark, like you mentioned, has been awesome. I'm going to go with Dre, Gary, and Kenny Clark. And I think Clark is having maybe the best season of his career. Um, Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus today wrote an article about the Packers defense. And I read from some other nerds that said the Packers defense isn't that good. They did the well actually thing. And I, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand how you watch what's happening every Sunday and let some completely subjective spreadsheet tell you, well, actually the defense isn't that good because they are, but he said they're built up the middle and you've got Clark Campbell, Amos and Savage said those are where their best players lie. But I am going to leave Amos off the list as much as it pains me to do that as well. Amos is one of like my low key favorite players. Uh, mm-hmm. He's obviously he stings Chicago every time he plays him. That's funny. And then you have the fact that he has a charity dedicated to Alzheimer's. That's something that's really close to my heart considering the field I work in, but I, it's really hard to go. Rashawn Gary leads the NFC, the entire conference in pressures. Can't leave him off. Plus I feel like maybe a little bit of nepotism involved here. And my heart legitimately sunk when I saw him writhing on the ground in pain, I was just trying to figure out what was wrong with him. Cause I couldn't really see that well as to what was going on, but thankfully it sounds like he's going to be able to play if not this week, then in the near future for this Packers defense, Dre, like I mentioned, Uh, all that stuff that's going on, and just he's changed the defense. And this Packers team, I wrote an article this offseason for Packer Report about how they don't emphasize inside linebacker player. They haven't in terms of acquisition. When you talk about, like, Blake Martinez was a starter for four years. He was a fourth-round pick. Chris Barnes last year, undrafted free agent. Christian Kirksey, a street free agent, who they gave some money to, but I wouldn't say that was emphasizing the position. Or maybe it was, and they just didn't do it with the right guy. That's certainly possible, too. But it was basically how the Packers defense – with Desmond Bishop at his peak in 2010, that was the defense that won the Super Bowl. It was one of the best defenses in football. And since then, they've kind of bargained basement hunted for that position. And now you're seeing that Campbell's here, and the Packers are now third in points allowed, and they're in the top area for that as far as yards given up too. So it's not like it's not like the 2019 team where they gave up a bunch of yards and were not that great play to play, but they made some stops and got some big plays. They're getting the big plays, but they're also controlling games. And that's something they haven't done in green Bay in a very long time. So I'm going to go with those three guys, but I think like you mentioned, you could have seven or eight honorable mention type players on this list as well. Let's get to the matchup of this weekend's game. And that is the Packers against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are four and five coming off of a big win against the Los Angeles chargers. And I almost said San Diego, but I didn't. So I'm (laughs) thankful that I finally got that right. Big win for the Vikings. They're trying to claw their way back into – the division race is probably moot, but they could potentially find themselves in a playoff spot. Uh, Matt LaFleur said that they're going to be desperate, but so are we. And I I actually like the mentality because the Packers can basically slam the door shut as far as this division goes. If Green Bay wins on Sunday, they now own the tiebreaker for now, depending on how the second game goes and all the other stuff, over the Vikings and the Bears. They'll be four games up at minimum in the loss column. Uh, For that, depending on how Chicago does on Sunday against the Ravens, I'm not picking the Bears in that game. Spoiler alert. (laughs) So they'll at least be four games up in the loss column in the division and five in the win column with not that many games left to play. So this really is a a game where we could start talking clinching scenarios when Green Bay takes on the Bears in three weeks, December the 12th, uh, on a Sunday night game. So that could be a fun thing to talk about. But their defense is facing – one of their versions of the boogeyman and the boogeyman men in the past, if you will have been maybe Russell Wilson, when they play in Seattle or Colin Kaepernick or players of that sort, one of those guys is definitely Dalvin cook. And we talked about Dalvin uh, in the pre-show meeting here about how cook last year in green Bay, almost single-handedly won the Vikings a game at Lambeau field. Now the wind and the weather conditions did turn the game into a bit of a gong show, but It still happened, and Cook had more than 200 yards, all-purpose yards, had a 50-yard screen pass that went for a touchdown that was on the top list. of, If not for an Alvin Kamara play in New Orleans, maybe it was the most embarrassing play against the – oh, well, the Hail Mary against Tampa. But one of the most embarrassing plays the defense went through last year. That is where my eyes go on Sunday because Mike Zimmer is somebody that They spent a billion dollars on a quarterback. They have all these receivers, well, really two, but they have two really good receivers. And if he could, he'd line up and run the ball on every single play from scrimmage. So that is where I think the Packers have to look first. What are you looking for? How does Green Bay slow down number 33?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: See, I think it's interesting that you say that because I agree about Elvin Cook, but I feel better about the defense than I have obviously in a long time. Uh, with Devondre Campbell kind of in the middle of the defense, we haven't seen them give up a ton of yardage to running backs this season, and you know they haven't really gone up against Elvin Cooks this season, so we're not sure what that will look like. But to me, I think honestly a, a bigger factor almost is the play of the secondary. We talked about Kevin King being on the injury report. It could come down to Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas as your boundary corners, which you know, has worked. They've played really well. Um, But I think it's just it's such a weird turn of events to have a Packers defense that's third in points allowed where you're almost more confident in the defense than the offense. Right. Like this is a team that even with the Saints fluke week one giving up 38 points, they're averaging 18 points a game allowed. And if you exclude that week one game, it's like 15.3 points allowed per game, which is just unheard of. And through 10 games, they've already forced 11 turnovers, which ties – or 11 interceptions they've had, which ties their entire output from the 2020 season. So to me, I think it's the secondary almost and locking down Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. We heard Justin Jefferson come up quite a bit actually in the Matt Lafleur presser on Wednesday talking about how much he likes him and his game. I mean, we know they can both be game breakers. So as much as I think Delvin Cook is probably the biggest threat for the Vikings offense as a whole, I feel better about the way that the Packers front has kind of played their running lanes and contained and not, you know, they've stayed gap sound all season, which is something that we're not really used to seeing from them. To me, I think it comes down to, can they get turnovers on the back end and force Kirk Cousins to make some mistakes? Because honestly, he's been protecting the ball pretty well this year.
1: That he has, I can tell you when it comes to Kirk, I'm still pretty confident if you put pressure on him, he'll throw one up for grabs. It's just as Green Bay catch those in 2019, they did. Kevin King had a couple of big interceptions against them. And then 2020, of course, last year, Jair Alexander had a big interception. They did not force a turnover uh, in the game at Lambeau Field. Maybe coincidentally, maybe not. They lost uh, on that particular game. But I like what you said about the defensive front and the way that they've been able to just kind of control their gaps and control The line of script, it hasn't been great. I'm not saying this is a dominant run defense, but they haven't had to be either. You know, when you got Aaron Rodgers on the other side, there's almost a natural pressure that goes in the head of an offensive coordinator of, I have to score points and I have to do it quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota commits to that running game. You talk about their ability to control the front. And one of the reasons for that has been TJ Slayton. And he's played more the last couple of weeks because of some of the injuries and things that the Packers are going through on the defensive line. Obviously, Kenny Clark, is a big uh, discussion point there as well. He was as good as I've seen him this season. I mentioned I think he's having the best year of his career, and he was very good, especially early on Sunday against um, Seattle. So then you talk about some of the other guys, Dean Lowry and Kingsley Kiki and Slayton started playing. He had 12 snaps uh, in week 10. He had 45 the prior week, which the Packers had. um, Dean Lowry on a pitch count and Clark, went out of the game, but he's starting to play better. And some of those flashes are there. What is the impact level? Or do you think this could be an impact kind of player between now and the end of the season?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, especially with the emergence of Slayton and, you know, Dean Lowry, I think might be having his best year as a Packer. Kingsley Kiki has the unfortunate concussion right now that he's working through. But again, it's, you know, it's progression from the interior of the defensive line. We kind of talked about going into the season that that was maybe one of the weaker points, if not the weakest point on the team as far as the depth was concerned. Even guys like Tyler Lancaster are filling their roles really, really well. Um, I think my favorite tweet uh, thus far was from Ben Fennell, who after the Seattle game said that we, you know, obviously it's early and this isn't to put words in his mouth, but he compared the picket Raji level of play Um, with TJ Slayton and Kenny Clark and kind of the production that we're seeing out of them just from that that bull rush in the interior that we haven't seen from a Packers defense in a couple of years yeah absolutely getting after Kirk Cousins and kind of dominating the line of scrimmage I think is huge because Russell Wilson was just running for his life on Sunday I think it was the most pressures we've seen from the Packers defense so far this season and going up against guys like Lamar Jackson later on in the season we saw them contain Kyler Murray really well same with Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson but you know, I think this is as the weather gets colder, especially in Green Bay, where the Packers will finish out most of their games at home, thankfully, um, getting that pressure on the quarterback and been really impressed with the defensive line so far.
1: I have as well. And I think that's going to be a big deal on Sunday because Green Bay, as good as their linebackers have played, that's where you have to win with those running games. And the big thing is to win those early downs. So Cousins, you know, when Cousins is comfortable, third and five, third and four, you know, manageable type of third downs, he's very good. Get him into some third and tens and let guys like Gary and Preston Smith. I didn't even talk about him. Preston Smith had maybe his best game of the season on Sunday against Seattle. So if they can get him to give them a boost on the stretch, especially with Whitney Merciless now on the shelf for the rest of the season, which just sucks for such a huge variety of reasons. But the other thing I gathered out of your point there was that at the end of the year, Zadarius Smith will be telling TJ Slayton to spill it. Is that what I gathered? Yep. Okay, so we've got that. Z forces a big fumble against whoever. uh, I don't know who it would be in the Super Bowl, but we'll figure that out later. So that'll be a lot of fun. Add that to the Super Bowl DVD. Cannot wait for that. Talking about this defense, you mentioned the receivers. It's a lot easier. I shouldn't say that, but easier, if you will, to defend this defense or this offense when you can have Jair shadow one of Jefferson or Thielen. And you feel really good about that matchup and then you just roll coverage to the other side obviously not going to be able to do that. Uh, Alexander's not going to play. So you have Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas and Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan and, and a group of defensive backs that frankly have played really well, in my opinion here in the last three weeks or so, you know, the thing about this Packers defense is you talked about their stats over the last, you know, taking even the clunker into account in week one is that you could have argued that maybe, maybe there were some discussion and good points available that, They've just played a lot of bad quarterbacks. And there were plenty of those. Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger's corpse, current Hall of Fame, Justin Fields, Taylor Heineke. But then they did it to Kyler Murray, Pat Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. And yes, I know Wilson was coming off of injured reserve and he rehabbed for 27 hours a day to get back for that game. And maybe he wasn't at his peak. I understand that. Pat Mahomes isn't having the season that we're used to seeing him have. Kyler Murray is an MVP frontrunner or was an MVP front runner before he got injured. That's still Pat Mahomes. And that's still Russell Wilson. I cannot understate how big of a deal I think that is. So talking about that now, they're going to Kirk Cousins, who's having of that group, maybe the best year save for Kyler Murray. What's your confidence level in them being able to slow down this Vikings passing game?
2: Yeah. I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit pre-show, but the Vikings are like a tale of two teams and it's really strange. They're obviously four and five, but they're, They've been in every game this season except for one. They lost by two scores to Seattle, but every other game has been a one-score game. They've gone into overtime three times against pretty good teams. I mean, the Bengals, the Ravens, they are staying in close games, and they're performing much better away, which is weird. I think they're averaging like 29 points a game when they're away, but at home they're averaging like 14 points, which you know, you and I had talked, you would think being at home on their kind of turfy artificial field, you get the speed boost that you always get when you play, you know, against teams like the Falcons. So it's weird that they can't get into a rhythm at home because you'd think that's where they'd want to be stacking successes. And especially with fans, that's a hard place to play. It's loud. They pump in the crowd noise, they kill birds. There's a lot going on. And it can be challenging for opposing teams coming into there. So yeah, I mean, I think that getting after Kirk Cousins is the biggest thing here. You know, we talked about confidence in Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes. I personally feel pretty good about them against Alvin Cook. Outside of the touchdown to Travis Kelsey, they've been doing a good job of locking down tight ends on defense as well. Um, hadn't given up a touchdown outside of, you know, weeks one and two, then going into the game against the Chiefs. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's just so weird to me that the Vikings are performing so terribly at home.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. Obviously, the Packers had a big day last year in Minnesota, but that was the opening game of the season. And last year was just – it was weird for a wide variety of reasons. But playing in Minnesota with – like two of Green Bay's hardest road games last year were Minnesota and New Orleans, and they played both games without fans in the stands. So yeah. I'm not saying take it with a grain of salt, but obviously it's a completely different year this year. So I look forward to seeing, one, how Green Bay's offense does in that environment and whether their defense can have – because really – their defense, they were winning by two, three scores for most of the second half. So they gave up some plays, but it just didn't really matter. And it felt like a lot of garbage timey, which is a Kirk Cousins special. I'm confident if Gary can play, because if Gary can play, then I know they could with Clark and Preston and Gary, they can get pressure with four. Now, if they have to start sending blitzes and stuff like that, that's where I think you get a little concerned, just because if you can't, it's always easier if every defensive coordinator in the league, was given truth serum, they would tell you, I want to rush four and cover with seven because that's the least amount of players to commit to rushing the passer, but able to get that pressure. That's how the Giants won two Super Bowls, for example. It's how the Eagles were able to get to a Super Bowl a few years ago. The, The Bucks last year, another good example of being able to just get pressure with their front four guys. So if Green Bay can do that, I think that's a big deal. And that's why that Gary injury not being significant is as significant as it is because you're hoping they can get Zadarius Smith back. And if they can do that, now you're talking about both Smiths, Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary going after the likes of Brady Stafford and whoever else they may run into in a postseason game. So looking forward to that, looking forward to how they do on Sunday. We don't get the offense most, but I do want to talk about, we mentioned the offense finding a new rhythm. And one way to do that is to get David Bakhtiari. Now, Ian Rappaport said last week that, Bakhtiari may not play on Sunday, but quote, will definitely play next week. And that meant this week against the Vikings, but he did not participate in today's practice, which leads you to wonder, is there some soreness? Is there some issue? The Packers insist there's not a setback, but I have a hard time believing if he doesn't practice on Wednesday, that he's going to play on Sunday. What say you?
2: I don't know. I've been going back and forth about it. Honestly, I'm, I'm, he didn't practice last Friday before the game, you know, they said that it was just kind of par for the course with him dealing with that significant injury. Uh um, Mercedes Lewis doesn't practice on Wednesdays. I know that's more vet rest related Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams also were not practicing on Wednesday. They had mental health days, I think is what Aaron Rodgers had said, uh, in the post game or in the, the post practice conferences with the media. So I don't know. I still think there's a, there's a chance that he plays, but you know, it's not the best, uh, it's not the easiest game back, I guess, but they're not going to be, you know, I don't think you want to hold him. Maybe you do, but I wouldn't think they'd keep him all the way, you know, through the bye And then in week 14, I guess you'd want to kind of get him acclimated and see how he does. So if there is some soreness going up against, you know, the likes of this Rams front four next week, then he has a bye week to kind of heal and rest up before the long-term stretch. I'm thinking that he plays, but I'm I'm not like very confident in thinking that.
1: I hope he does because this is this is more significant than any trade deadline acquisition anybody was going to make this year. And that I say that with all due respect to guys like Von Miller. But Bakhtiari is one of the three best left tackles in all of football. And he gives the Packers not one but two all-pro additions on their offensive line because Elton Jenkins then becomes your left guard or your center. He's a left guard. He's an all-pro. If he's a center, he's really good. And that takes away one of Green Bay's weaknesses, which is that interior. And the interior of this offensive line has not played well. Uh, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat that. I know we all love John Runyon when they picked him. He's been replacement level. Lucas Patrick is just a shade below that. And Royce Newman's a rookie. And he's having what looks like a rookie season. So there's a lot going on on Green Green Bay's interior. But I do know that I would rather have them take it slow now so that Bakhtiari is full go. When it's time to go to the because like here's the other thing if Green Bay was five and four maybe they'd be pushing it a little bit more to try and get them in the lineup yeah. but since they're eight and two not that you can afford to take a game for granted or anything like that but you can afford to just be a little more patient with some of those guys and that's what Green Bay did by putting him on the physically unable to perform list all that kind of stuff that Green Bay's done throughout the course of the year it's prediction time Packers and Vikings they're gonna play noon. In Minnesota at the Bird Box uh, against the Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. I don't know who's announcing that game, so I don't have that for you guys. I don't know even know if that's been announced or not yet, but usually by now it is. Maggie, who wins and why?
2: Because it's a division game, because it's a road game, because I think the Vikings are a scrappy team who is – Likely in contention for a playoff spot, whether or not they make it as a wild card team. I think it's a one score game, but I still think the Packers win. We're not seeing the Packers put up points, especially on the road like we're used to seeing. Um, They're 19th right now in points for, which is strange. I mean, I think if you get this Packers offense into like a top 10 offense, then you're your Super Bowl favorites. If your defense keeps playing the way it is. Um, I don't know. I just I'm feeling like 2420. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a one score game. But I think the Packers come out on top.
1: I have 24-21. I like Green Bay as well. This is a game I had them losing when I did my preseason win-loss thing throughout the course of the year. But that was different. That was then. This is now. The Packers are playing well. The Vikings are not good in one-score games. They haven't been throughout the course of the year. You mentioned they're not as good at home as they typically have been elsewhere. So I like Green Bay to win. I think, like you said, it'll be close. It'll be kind of frustrating, maybe even a little annoying at times. But I think the Packers, their defense is up to the challenge. And ultimately, I just think – it comes down to one of my favorite sayings about Kirk Cousins is on third and six, he'll get you six on third and 10, he'll get you six. So when you're doing that, that's tough to do. So I think the Packers have the right guys to match up. And this is a Vikings team that I really do think could be on the verge of imploding. And I know they just won last week and that was a big one, but they just have these games. Like they lost a home game to Cooper Rush and the backup version of the Dallas Cowboys. And it's not like Zeke ran for 300 yards that particular night. So I just think that the Vikings, the Packers are better in close games than Minnesota is. And Aaron Rodgers is better than Kirk Cousins in those situations. Uh, and I think we'll just kind of <laughs> see how that goes. But we're out of time for this version of the show. Be sure to check out the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can follow that on Twitter and wherever you find your podcast. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Jacob Westendorf. And if you are listening to this on Thursday morning, go back to Game On Wisconsin's YouTube channel and check out the show that Open Book, Eli Berkovitz, Jen Mackey, and Zach Jacobson, all three Packaday podcasters or alumnus interviewing Randall Cobb. And then after that, Jimmy Christensen, Todd Varney and DK or DK Dan Kotnick interviewing Kenny Clark uh, big day last night. So check that out. And then you can find Maggie.
2: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write a couple articles a week for Cheesehead TV, and I'm also with the packs of Cheesehead podcast with Perry Goldstein. Um, and you can check that out at PWSS podcast on Twitter.
1: That you can. And they had Mina Kimes. Uh, was that last week? I'm already losing track. That was
2: last week, the talk Seahawks. You she talk teased Seahawks. me because I, I said 31, 17. Um, and she said, Oh, so you're calling a blowout. And it took everything in me to not tweet her and say is winning by 17 points a blowout. I didn't because it's, it was not a great performance to go three and zero at halftime. Uh, but no, Mina was exceptional. We got to talk to her about, uh, you know, her love of football coming from her dad, uh, what it was like to switch from a business journalist's perspective into the sports world. And yeah, so even though the game has passed, if you are interested in learning more about Mina Kimes, it was definitely worth the listen.
1: Check that out. Check this show out. Check us out the rest of the week. We appreciate you guys listening. Packers Vikings next week, a big one against the Los Angeles Rams. So we will be back for that and listen to Jimmy cry a little more about Otto Beckham. See you guys next week.